listening to the Eddie Out Podcast. Current conversations with our community and their connections to the river. Hosted by Natalie Zollinger. Welcome. What's up, everyone? How's it going? Hope you're doing well. Thanks for tuning back into another episode here of the podcast. Today is my last featured episode during Women's History Month, honoring my fellow astral teammate and kayaking legend, Noria Newman. Noria is an all-around master of her craft. From canoeing to freestyle to extreme kayaking and expeditions, Noria excels at everything she puts her mind to. I wanted to get her on the podcast as a tribute to her and her many accomplishments both on and off the water. In this episode, we talk about Noria's childhood, first memories of the river, her relationship to kayaking, and how she continues to push boundaries all around the world. I fucking love this conversation, and know you will too. And without further ado, Noria Newman. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we have the pleasure to Eddie out with Noria Newman. Noria, welcome to the show. I'm really stoked to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> this is our first time meeting. Such a badass. Yeah. I feel so lucky to be in your presence. <laughs> it's it's kind of sad that you're meeting people for computers these days, but uh, hopefully we'll get better soon. So. I hope so. Yeah. And I did a, a really big deep dive into you, your your past, your professional background, your personal background, not too much personal, but you know, yeah, whatever's hope, on the internet. Hope not. Some of the things you don't want to know, no one wants to know. I yeah. wish I could just forget it all. Yeah. Oh, come on. Those are those help you become who you are today, right? Yeah. I forgot um, what it was. Yeah. But yeah, I um for those people that have heard about you but just have no idea about like how you grew up and what your childhood was like and um, especially like your connection to the river do you mind just talking a little bit about that uh I grew up in this really awesome place for a kid to grow up it's called Le Villaret Génial it's like a small village there's a couple houses nothing else uh and then it's the mountain and there was just like a a national park just really close to it and um you know being there is just you spend a lot of time outside and in the summer you're just like go play on the rocks and in the winter you just jump from the roofs into the snow or make like snowmen or whatever you want to do as as a kid you you get very creative sometimes with the dumbest ideas but uh definitely had a a really nice childhood um, in this place. Um, and then I got into kayaking um, because some of my dad's friend, they came, had a house with, with their kayaks on the roof of the car. Uh, and my parents knew them because they started a business of uh, Cano Blero. Uh, back in the days, they just started doing it for fun just for them uh and canoblero the english translation would be beater craft okay uh, like, so you know what that? tubing is yeah yeah so basically they had like uh it's it's big tires or buoys i don't know how you call it in english 
And then on top of that, they had strapped a, a, the top part of a plastic seat onto some ski gates. And then it was all strapped together and they would just go down the, the home river uh, with this. And then everyone wanted to try. And eventually they started a business, uh, but legally they needed to hire a, a whitewater professional. Um, and technically they also had no clue what they were doing. It was, it was so <laughs> sketchy when you think about it, but uh, they had a lot of fun. And so when they hired this um, kayak instructor that helped them for one or two summers, uh, that was their connection with some of the whitewater people. And that's why they had friends with uh, kayaks on the roof. And I was four years old at the time. And, uh, you know, my main passion was um, Playmobil, you know, Playmobil uh -huh. toys. And one of the boats uh, that my dad bought second hand or third hand or fourth hand afterwards, uh, it was this super ugly blue and yellow Eskimo boat. So the European boats really like solid plastic, super heavy. Uh, and I happened to have my Playmobil car it was like a convertible Playmobil car that was the same color. And I was convinced that this was just the coolest toy ever. So I was like, mom, dad, I want to do this thing. I, <laughs> I didn't even know that the name of it was kayaking. And they're like, no, you cannot do kayaking because you don't know how to swim. But um, if you take swimming lessons, well, you can try and we'll drive you to the kayak club. Uh, and so they probably thought I would forget about it and they would never have to drive me 30 minutes away or to the kayak club that's still pretty far from home. Oh, and I just came back with the, with the swimming certificate and eventually they, they drove me to the kayak club and the club system in France is amazing. You pay a membership and you have a coach, they lend you the gear you have training session, you go on, on weekends and races. Uh, so that's pretty much how I got into, into kayaking. Yeah. What, what part of France um, did you grow up? Uh, it's in the Alps, oh, in between what? two big ski resorts, Tigny and Val d'Isère, really nice. Um, and a pretty average, home river like it's nothing like special you know like it's not the little white or the north park but it's a really cool place because you have lakes you can start on and then progressively class one two three three plus mm -hmm. so it's really nice is it four seasons there do you have four seasons where you grew up yeah yeah and all of the seasons we have okay sometimes cool. especially these days they all mix up right bring <laughs> in the middle of winter <laughs> but yeah okay. it's really good cool so you were able to i mean you loved being outside in all weather but drawn to the water drawn to the the blue playboat yeah uh i i don't know i i think you know at first for me it was just the big toy and I didn't think much of it. And then there were young kids my age uh, at the kayak club. And we were very young because the son of the coach was the same age. So we were like this little group of like 
even younger kids so he wasn't alone and I don't think I really had like a connection to the river or whatever I was just happy to to just play on the lake with my friends and I thought it was super cool and we're explorer and and I have memories of this lake where I see it as a jungle and we're going for the jungle and and now whenever I drive next to this lake there is like really like tiny grass in the water and that was the jungle and I just I just <laughs> forget how I have these images in my head still of what I do and so I just thought it was this old game and imaginary world and and my first experience of the river like the river is probably the part that I like the least you know I really like just like loading up the boats and then we drove and then we had to do some repeal down uh, to the river and then uh, you know we were roping down those fiberglass boats and within this really beautiful canyon super easy but um, the kayaking part I I didn't like it that much I remember swimming and crying and being <laughs> really terrified uh, but then probably shortly after that the coach decided we'd do a picnic and I probably just forgot about it instantly but <laughs> I think at first you know it's not like I was attracted and drawn to water it's just like oh this is a sick Playmobile like giant Playmobil toy I, I want to do that and you know having the opportunity as a five six seven years old to just um, go camping and there is no parents and you don't need to brush your hair and you know it, it was like <laughs> a full adventure and that's what I like more than the sport I don't think when you're that young you're actually like you're barely not even touching the water with your blade but I just like you know the club the play the adventure then I like the races for the wrong reasons oh yeah or what reasons was, were those so you remember when you were six? And uh, you know, maybe, yeah, you know, <laughs> go on. Like if you'd go in the shop and you'd get to buy something and the taste, you had mm. horrible taste. And so I was just the same and, and you know, I started racing mostly because I was convinced that, you know, bank branded fanny packs were the coolest thing you could get. <laughs> and you know it was like the shitter's presents and I thought yeah this is like Christmas but whenever you you do a race and so I I was all about the free candies and playing <laughs> branded fanny pack and super ugly hats that that you get for free and then you know the like in France we had this huge plastic and fake you know like kind of gold colored trophy and the bigger they were, the ugliest they were, the more I like liked them because I thought they were so cool. Uh, so that's basically why I started racing. You know, okay. <laughs> I didn't really understand what it was to go fast or perform. Just yeah, it's just stoked on the candies and stuff. <laughs> the candy and the blue kayak. So more of the material and more of the experience of getting to the water and handling the boat and and working with 
with like the kayak and you know and the gear it sounds like uh, yeah I think the, the club spirit is just really nice you know you're just you're out there with your friends and and it's pretty cool and then it's not until like I got better and then you know you you get better and paddling becomes like really pleasant because you control where you go you know where you're going and you can like start running harder rapids and and that only happened like when I was eight, you know, like three years after I started. Um, and then I started getting my role when I was nine years old. And that was like really the big switch where like, okay, I, I love mm. the river now and, and I don't do it for the candies and buying branded fanny pack <laughs> and just to go camping and cook instant mashed potatoes with my friend and think I'm super cool because I can cook mashed potatoes <laughs> at camp. So you start like you started to get your own independence or maybe even like confidence because of the role and that's what changed. Um, what do you think it was about the you role? Know, I, I think before the role I started like actually being able to ferry and catch eddies and surf waves and and you know I already started loving the sport and not just like, you know, like everything around it. And I think I loved it as a kid too, but you don't really know. Yeah, and you're um, so young too. And then go ahead. Yeah, and then the role is like it's like you start being able to really play with the water where before you're doing things and you're getting better and it's and it's it's rewarding but you don't fully get to play because like swimming in the kayak just just sucks it does like suck. there is no way around it you're just like underwater stuck in this boat it's it's scary even now it's still scary then water is cold you have to swim you're tired cold and scared and then you still have to empty the like full boat and it's so heavy and then everyone's waiting for you and you're trying to like not make everyone wait and you rush and I mean swimming is not nice and like when you switch and suddenly you can just like fail and you just take half a second and roll up and you mm. don't have to go through all of this every single time you flip that's when it starts being like way nicer yeah yeah I could totally see that I mean even as a kid you're like you you had a sense of like oh everyone's waiting for me I feel so bad you know and I remember the role the role is so empowering you're like oh yeah I just got I remember too my um I learned a little bit of kayaking like not a ton but the the hand roll was what I was loved the most because it was like okay I don't even need a paddle I can I've got a good hip snap and I don't, you know, when in doubt, I can get up with just my hands. I remember that was really empowering. I wish I wish I could do that. No? I have the worst hand roll ever. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. I lost it somewhere along the way. Oh, no. Well, maybe when you come visit, we can practice. We can practice hand rolls. There you go. Yeah. So um, you didn't talk a lot about like, like siblings. Do you have siblings? Are you the only child? I don't. Mm, yeah, child. I wish I had. It would okay. have been pretty fun. 
So what's your relationship like with your mom and dad? Are they still together? Are they still around? Uh, they're not together. A uh, really good relationship because they're they're my best ever support. Mm. Uh, and now I am uh, 29. Um, and when I stopped slalom or when I was still doing slalom, I, I've definitely been living back with them after university uh, with my mom and then with my dad. And, you know, it's like the 30 years old that never leaves the, the house. Oh, no, That's that me, you? but because they're not together, I can do like sometimes <laughs> with one, sometimes with the other, and I feel less intrusive. Uh, I'm just doing it the other way around, you know, I went to boarding school in a way like really young mm. um, and for university and everything. And then I just moved back in. There you so go. Yeah, I you just, just... <laughs> I, I just thank those years where I was away and like more independent than now. And now I'm just like, oh, yeah, nice. I like being here. <laughs> yeah. Where are you right now? Uh, I'm in the village where I grew up in the Villa Reginelle, which is where my dad lives. Oh, cool. But my mom is here. Oh, really? My dad's not here. <laughs> uh, and I was, I was sick. She says hi. Oh, let's see mom. Bring her in for a second. She wants to see you now. And, and we need to have mom, mom's voice on this episode. Yeah. <laughs> is your mom, mom pretty young? Hi. Hi! Oh, hello! Hello, mom! <laughs> no, because I was on the headphones. Because it's only Noya plugged. Hello! You have you a beautiful a daughter. Do you want to ask a question? What? Can I ask you a question? Yeah. What's something that we don't know about Noria that you wish the world knew, that you know? Uh, I guess she's pretty clear, you know, she tells you a lot of things. Now she made us, she, she, she made us, you know, mom and dad like dragon or something. Like it is not really true that we always said, no way you won't kayak. It is not true that we did not hope that she, she would not learn how to swim. Um, no, you didn't, you didn't tell, no, it was just a it's deal. just, you know, everything went a little bit fast, but mm. with, we're very happy to have, I mean, even if sometimes I don't sleep very well when she's away doing those kind of drop. Drops. Uh, I, ne I never like on, on uh, Facebook or, or mm. kind of, you know, I don't put a like. Uh, I, if, if you had the sign unlike, I would uh, take Oh, this that one. would be you? You would use yeah. that a lot with her? I, um, I hate it. The but, troll is right here. <laughs> but obviously, you know, it makes, it, it, I'm very happy she has a passion. Mm -hmm. So many kids don't have a passion. Mm -hmm. She know, does. You know, that you really love. Something that is going to occupy you for the rest of your life. So this makes me happy. Hmm. Um, but now at the end you know if I was a grandma I would wish oh I would wish that the, my grandkids you know play the station or something you know, <laughs> because you cannot have an accident <laughs> she's gonna put a, a phone right right on your child if you ever have one be like nope you don't even see the river you don't see anything you're just gonna hang out <laughs> 
can't play. No, there but you they, go. <laughs> I think Noya, she's pretty honest. You know, she tells, uh, and she she's what we, we say bavard en français. It means you know people who like to talk. Mm -hmm. um, so she likes to talk. Okay. <laughs> she gives you the stories. You know, she likes to give the little stories, and uh, and she, I don't think she hides anything. Of course Except, I hide everything. No, she hides like a lot of things stuff. to me. You well, know, from like, you, right. Presidential <laughs> stuff, you know, jungle, uh, the bites, the, you know, kind of what, and, and what are you most proud of with her? She's honest. Hmm. She's honest. It's a good trait and, to have. And she's not. Um, how do you say in English? You know, when these people, you know, pit plus haut que leur cul. Okay, uh, when people fart above their butt. This, no, this not has like no this. translation, don't worry. Fart uh, above their butt. No, but she, she's, she's not like, you know, she. I, that would be the translation, what might be cocky. She doesn't oh, put it yeah, like totally. queen of the kayak, you know, like, uh -huh. I'm yes. mean, you must love me. She, no, she's no, not the, like the that. The Queen's Shan Carol. She's still. dead humble. Let's <laughs> she's humble. I can. Like, from yeah. The top wave, the rapid. Yeah. A first descent that's only repeated 10 years after without the entrance of the rapid. Like, <laughs> Shannon Carroll is the queen. <laughs> you know, but uh, it's, it's uh, in life, you, you need to stay humble. Mm, she is. I can tell even just in these 30 minutes I've been talking to her. And I so bet she gets I'm, a lot of that from you. I'm going to leave you because. Okay. I no, eight years old little kid waiting for me for the aperitif next door. Ciao. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> Have a drink with your friends or your neighbors. Oh, nice. I, I love it when like parents or, or partners come in and start answering questions. <laughs> I hope that was okay. Yeah. <laughs> she, yeah. I mean, she's so proud of you, you know, and I think, you know, honesty, I think that's, that is, uh, that's a trait that you don't see as much anymore, you know, and that's really cool that she sees that as being your strength. Well, she would call me out. Yeah, not <laughs> totally. <laughs> what That's... is this? You told me on the phone that this trip was crap. Why are you saying it was awesome? <laughs> uh, no, it's 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 good. It's it's hard though. Uh, these days, I I I felt to be to be fully honest. Um, because sometimes it's hard to be honest with yourself. You know, you always have this like ah. Uh, you know, and you're finding excuses and that's human. Uh, but then also the dynamic we have with like the constant flow of information and communication we're giving for, for social media, it's hard because, um, for example, a few years ago, I started putting my swims and I started putting bad lines because I thought first it was, some of them are funny you know, and you just don't get hurt and you just have a, a fail and it's a flop and it's funny. Um, and then I also thought that everyone is having bad lines and, and maybe it's important to show that side of things and not just like when it goes well, because 
otherwise it seems like oh I can never do that like they never flip or whatever and and then actually like it's the same for everyone yeah um, so it's kind of nice to show that if someone's swimming like a lot well you're swimming too you know and that there's nothing wrong with them and uh you know it's just part of the learning curve um but then i had people like commentating oh you're you're such a beater like oh, oh that was so crap and you're like okay well i don't really want to go through that so i'm just gonna do like everyone else and not really post crashes um and sometimes i do but i, I definitely don't post all of them so mm. i actually paddle not as good as what i post really <laughs> like, like everyone else <laughs> uh, but yeah. you know and it and it's quite hard because these things is is what people are not aware sometimes or they forget it's like you know you get this this comments oh i know you from the internet and you're like okay and they don't do research you know they just see what they're being shown and you're like so you don't know me you know the image of myself that i've been willing to give and so even if that was all reality which which i i, I try to, to to put things that are like it's what i do but even when you're like real and you keep it like as spontaneous as, as you want you're still gonna like choose a photo so that's only part of your reality mm -hmm. and and when you go for a selection process you already like choosing a story angle and then on top of that you have the caption mm -hmm. so it's it's hard when people don't have any sort of critical thinking and and they just you know like consume consume images and information that they see and and i feel like it's true for any sort of social media where there you're an athlete or news or politics or you know whatever it is and and i find this hard to deal with because the only thing i really want to do is kayak but right. um the way i can afford to do that and make it my job is i also have to do these other things which are a job you know you're you post and you set project and then people are like oh you don't have a real job which is kayak and you're like yeah, I just kayak and I need to be able to write and talk and take photos and film and edit and do the accounting and mm -hmm. all the kind of stuff that, that go with it and that actually make it a real job. Right. But, uh, yeah. But I like it. Yeah. It's, Did that inspire you to? Job. Yeah. Well, you have a master's in journalism, which is like really, really in incredible. Congratulations getting a master's. I don't have a master's. I guess I have a master's in river guiding maybe, <laughs> but was um, just that process of posting and being creative with social media. Did that inspire journalism or why? Um, why and then also political science, right? Talk a little bit about. Yeah, I, 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 I got social media after I started studying. <laughs> um, uh, I, you know, I, I went for high school and you're like 17 and they're like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And you're like, I, 
I didn't really know. Um, I think it, it's a hard thing, you know, a few kids that I want to be a doctor and I, I want to be this or that and, and they have really good, you know, like ideas of what they want to do. They have, you know, special talent and in and some trade and and that's really awesome and for me I was like I have no clue really what I want to do uh, but I knew that I didn't want to go into a scientific career and then the political science school is general for the first three years so it gives you a lot of option and it's a really good school and it's selective. And so I'll, I was just like, okay, I'll just try to get into this school. Um, and then I got in and studied for the, the first three years and it was very general. And I was attracted to journalism at, at first because, you know, it, it's a really cool job, even if, these days it's more and more desk and less and less uh, the image of journalism that that you have, you know, like you always kind of have this ideal image that people go on field and, mm -hmm. and actually, you know, like a lot of it is is on the desk. But uh, for me, it was really cool to choose this specialty in my master's because I was training full time as a slalom athlete. Um, trying to get to the Olympics and I was skipping a lot of classes and some of the other career they're like really um, that you need to study and they're very scholar and journalism it was it was really good for me because instead of having like sociology of governance of like a special law course about this I just had like a radio class and a TV class and a writing class. And I was like, okay, That's pretty I, cool. I feel like <laughs> this is better for me. It suits me more and definitely had a lot of fun um, in that master's. It, it was really cool. We're, we're not many people because there were limited resources at, at the university. So you had a, a selection and then for an interview and and it was it was really nice to be in in that small group, uh, and yeah, mm. I really liked it. How did? But then it helps for, it helps for everything. You know, you know how to. I mean, you have a better idea of how to tell the story and how to answer an interview or things mm. like this. Yeah, like like what we're doing now. <laughs> yeah, podcasts are weird because they're not like. You know, like you get an interview, you get a question, you answer the question. But like right now, I, I feel like it's kind of useless <laughs> because it's more of a conversation. So I could be hanging out, you know, with a friend and it would be more like right now. Mm -hmm. If you had your own podcast, what would you do different? Oh, I don't think I would want a, a podcast. <laughs> a lot of work. It's a lot of editing. Um, but um, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, mm. to be honest. Uh, but there is one I really like, but it's very different from the ones that most people do. 
So it's not really someone that interviews someone else and it's not a conversation, but it's this journalist, it's from the national radio, France Inter, it's called Interception. And they study, they pick one subject and they go in it and there you have the recordings of like, for instance, that one about um, a dragon boat uh, association, they do dragon boat for uh, women with, with breast cancer or, or people with cancer. And so they went with them and so they get on the boat and you you hear them and then they follow a few people and, and it's kind of cool because of course they have the interview but they also always manage to to catch moments on the go and you always have like and i really like that one mm, you know, yeah, you go in, in the factory and you get the sound of the factory and, and i remember like on long hikings uh, i would just put this and instead of thinking oh i'm suffering on the hiking i was just like oh I'm in this tea factory and, and it's all sorts of random subjects. So I like it. Mm, it's engaging, but also it sounds like it's, it's close to your, your master's in journalism, like the way you, the journalism used to be and the excitement of, of going on, on scene and, and telling a story sounds like. It's uh, but they have a lot of resources to do that. Mm, yeah. Because it takes so much time to actually go and build and be around for a long amount of time to catch those moments and mm -hmm. and that's why it's so good and that's why it's like produced by a, a national radio right so, <laughs> that's why it's my favorite because it's just really good yeah think, so. cool well I'm curious once you graduated journalism and political science um how did that change your relationship to kayaking or your actual ability to kayak if any it it, it really didn't uh i was like full-time training slalom and then i graduated and i had more time to train slalom so the good thing is i wasn't waking up at five and running all the time like i used to be mm. uh and that was way nicer but i don't think if i've really used it or is it it has changed anything um and then what has changed is uh i somehow become too old and too slow to uh maintain myself in in the slalom federation training center also had terrible results so uh i got kicked out um and then i basically choose but you know, I had a good incentive to stop slalom. Um, and that changed a lot uh, because before that, I still believed that slalom was, was my main focus and that's where, how my kayaking was founded. You know, like before 2017, like <laughs> the slalom budget would pay for, for my creaking trips and and you know like federation wouldn't be too happy they didn't really know about that like they give you um you get some foundings to to help you out for for living and studying and things like this and and then some of that money would would go into into creaking trips um but i was still aiming to just like 
train slalom and that was how I planned to kayak and then that stopped um, and it changes things because um, river running and, and creaking is I mean of course there are races but like that's not how you define this sport you know like I, I, I'm not even sure that creek races make any sense you know it's like big wave surfing of course you have a contest but at the end of the year it's it's not really the, the races that will matter the most is who is actually like surfed the biggest wave and and done like the the the, the biggest beats or, or whatever that is um and i i feel like that changed and i got to use my degree more because when you're not in a federation that like basically with slalom i was only asked to train hard and get good at kayaking and race and get good results that's all i have to do right and then when you get away from that system that is really amazing because of course when you're too slow and they don't believe in you anymore you get kicked out but before that it enables you to to train and do all those things and it's it's founded by the by the sport government by the federation and and it's it's really good to have support like um i don't think that a lot of i don't think that a lot of any french paddlers could afford all the support they get for the federation like if you'd actually start counting like paying a coach and paying the water and paying a physical preparator and like the training camps and this and that. So it's really good in its own way. And it's also very structured. And so it doesn't really give you a lot of freedom in the way that you train like this and you do that and you have the race schedule. And that's basically what's gonna dictate your full year. Mm -hmm. And you're not even talking in terms of year, you're talking about in terms of Olympics, because that's kind of the only race that matters. Right. Or I'm exaggerating like world championships for sure, but like the Olympics is the priority. So you always like project yourself four years by four years, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Like I'm, I'm not capable of doing that right now. Like I can not even I don't even know what I'm gonna do in a month right but, <laughs> but so then I stopped this and you have all of this freedom and you're like wow I could do anything and go anywhere and whichever river I want and that's not really true because if if you want to manage to do that like that I I couldn't do that so I had to pitch project and something that might work and interest someone that they want to be like, okay, sweet, we'll support you. We'll pay for a plane ticket and we'll help you out with this, this and that to make it possible. And so in the end, you're not just training and being good and getting good results. You stand on the box, congratulations, you've made it. Um, you have to be creative and find the ideas and justify, okay, I'm gonna go there for that and, and think about your schedule and what you want to do and why you want to do it and how you can almost like interest 
or get people involved. Um, and so, so you have to create ideas, then you have to pitch them and, and pretty much sell them. And as you go, you need to like write and film and edit and do all those things uh, that finally you have more freedom, but you also have to do all of this. Uh, but at the same time, now that I'm starting to really figure it out, I, I have accepted that this is my job and other people, some people, they don't understand that it, it is also a job and that kayaking can be my passion and what I love the most, but it can also be my job. And it was hard, you know, like I got a US visa denied and the guy's like, come when you're more stable. Oh. And, and treated me super bad and you're like, okay, like I, I don't fit in. Wow. And it's true that I don't fit in any of the boxes of, of this US immigration officer and the form he had in front of him. Um, and, and in the same way, it's like you don't quite fit in society and you're like 29 living at your dad's. It's like traveling and doing all those things and people are like, uh, when are you gonna stop messing around and get a proper <laughs> life? And I'm like, oh, I kind of like that one, but thank you for your concern. Uh, and I feel like for a bit, this was something that I was a bit like struggling with and also um, it's not super stable and it's a little bit scary to do kayaking as a living because it, it, it's not great, you know, like a lot of it is I can afford traveling because I don't pay rent because my parents are really cool. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, like that's, that's not ideal. Like it, it, it's, it's, it works. But it's not something that you want to be doing for, you know, I'm hoping that when I'm 30, I, I can have a place of my own. Maybe when I'm 35. Right. I was going to say that's in a, that's next year. That's in a year. Okay. 32 <laughs> would be a realistic goal. Um, but yeah. So that's when I started using my degree. It's not super visible, but I think it's not always super correlated, but I think it's definitely helpful. Mm -hmm. So we, yeah, we talked a lot about like, you know, when you were younger, you're part of this club and you were training and like the, the dynamic that the club has where you get a coach and you get gear and you get to train and compete. Um, and then, you know, going to high school or going to college and um, training for the Olympics. When did you know, was there a moment where you crossed like a threshold of like, I want to do this for a living professionally and, and the Olympics is my peak. Um, I don't think I ever did. Uh, that's the funny thing. It's just like, mm. it's just the way the system is built. You know, you're mm. with the club and you compete and it's the kids race and you do them because they drive you there and then you're like oh sweet i want to be candies and then eventually you get better and you're like oh i kind of want to be fast and mm. and you're you know your coach and everyone around you is like 
you know, like supporting you, you know, you, you have one kid of the club competing, everyone's just running and like cheering on them. And so you're, you're caught up in, in that sort of environment and eventually kids races stop and it's like regional races to get you into the first, second, third division. And then you get into like whichever division and you're like, ah, oh, I wanna be in the upper division. Uh, and then you're like, you have those challenges that, that come in and then you get to the other division or whatever. And then you're like, oh, I could make the French junior team or the French mm. 23 team or the French team. And then you, if you make it, there's always a next goal. But I don't know if there is a lot of difference between like, you know, the process is, is always the same. And even slalom at the olympics is, is not professional in france like we are a very strong incentive to have a double project so even high performance athletes they have um you know they they're they go to university and even if you do your degree in like more years you know in seven years instead of five or sometimes in nine years instead of four you know like there, you're supported and you're pushed to study and then when you complete your degree sometimes you can get and you have really good results um, sometimes you can get a contrat d'insertion professionnelle which is like a work contract so hmm. uh, for instance after I got silver at world championships I got one for a startup company called Goleo and so I was working a 30% of the time and I was paid a 60% by the company. And hmm. so that was really cool because uh, I think it lasted almost three years and then the startup got bankrupt, but it's really good because that way you can train and also get a professional experience and a little bit of income. Uh, so there are those systems to help you manage uh, sport and and studying or, or have, you know, like work experience. And so I never was like, I'm gonna be a professional character. Mm. And then I feel like in the recent years, uh, you know, the startup got bankrupt and then kayaking was working well. And then, you know, like I kind of had, you stop slalom and suddenly, you know, you're, I used to wake up every morning and just training, go there, do this, and had this routine. And from one day to another, it stops. And so I'm lucky in a way that I've studied, I have a degree, I have creaking, I have other things in my life, but I still woke up, you know, that, that next day after it was all over and, and I had breakfast and I took my bag and I, I, I started heading out to training because that's what I did every day. Right. And I was like, right, this is, this is gone. Like, stop, you're, you're not going. And that's really hard because it's been so many years of your life. And, you know, it's, it's your time, it's your focus, it's your social group of friends, uh, your relationship with coaches and, and the staff. And suddenly all of this is gone. And it's crazy because they just move on. Yeah. You know, and they continue and like 
I, I stopped like quite some years ago now and I feel like I go back and it's just the same, but mm. I'm out of it. Um, and, and that's, that's really hard because I was a little bit left with, without this. And then I didn't have my old job, even if it was part-time. And then I was like, okay, what do I do? And so, you know, I was a little bit lost and I'm like, I'm going to buy a plane ticket and I'm going to go to the States for a month. And then a month becomes two months. And then it pretty much all the time became three months, uh, just to the limit that I didn't overstay my visa. Uh, and I would just go creaking from one project to another. And because I did that, I guess that's when I started becoming professional because in order to do that and keep doing that, I had to, you know, start doing projects and trade mm -hmm. and, and do a bit of those things, which I'm still learning. I'm definitely not super comfortable with it, but uh, but it was a really smooth transition in the way that I never said, oh, I want to be a professional kayaker. You'd have to be an idiot to just say it like this because the reality of it is just, I mean, it can exist, but it doesn't. Like, it means nothing. Mm -hmm. It's just, what does it mean? You just kayak as much as possible and and somehow manage to make some sort of living, but you're still <laughs> at your parents' place. <laughs> like, I don't think that's like a, a career that you would really choose on purpose and be like, I want to do that. Right. Um, and I feel that now that I have accepted that it's okay. I, I don't have to do, you know, fit the standard definition of a career. Mm. I can just do that. And what helped is that I can do that now. Whereas if I decide to move on to something else, it's something that I will never be able to get back to. Where the opposite is hard, but still way more possible than oh, now I'm 40 something and I would really want to go back to kayaking and do that full time, like not possible. Yeah, but it so, like you accepting it was what made it okay. What I hear also is like the, your experience was, was like a conveyor belt of opportunity. Like they, once you say, I want to be part of this club, it's like the next 10 years is kind of set for you, right? You were saying it's this and then you get good and then you get this and then this opens up and then this opens up and then all of a sudden it's worlds and Olympics and and then it's like, and then you get to the top, but you don't quite realize like that wasn't self-driven. Well, it kind of was, right? Cause you're like, I wanna be better, I wanna be faster. But still like, it's this conveyor belt of that, like you're just on this, you're just on this uh, system that's moving. It, it is with without the you. same at the same time you're you're still fighting for it and you're still putting a lot of time and mm -hmm. and you know i i was truly convinced that slalom was my life and mm. i really wanted to go to the olympics which never happened i just failed every single selection uh and ended my slalom years and like the worst possible results um but i i feel like 
as long as I was convinced I was 100%. And then there are a couple of things that made me less convinced. Um, well, championships in 2013, I got silver medal. Um, and when I was convinced and training really hard, I'm like, wow, if I ever get on a world championship podium, I'm going to be the happiest. It's going to be so cool. And then it happened. And people congratulate you, some of which are definitely not your friends. And mm -hmm. It's just weird. And you're like, okay, thanks, bye, you know. Um, <laughs> and then a lot of things happens. Uh, eventually, you have to wear those really awkward clothes with your country on them. Um, and they make you stand on a stupid box and you have a politician that you don't know that kiss you and put some piece of metal around your neck and then you have a crowd and you smile awkwardly uh, forever uh, and you're just shaking and everything is shaking and some of the most uncomfortable times I've had uh, and, and I realized, oh, wow, um, I don't know if that's the happiest day of my life, uh, first of all, and I thought it was going to bring me so much joy, and, and it did, but not, it's not what I expected, and then, you know, you you think, okay, yes, you're a world championship medalist, and you've been putting all of these efforts, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't change a thing, mm -hmm. uh, for me, you know, I was like, okay, Sweet, now I'm allowed to skip classes, but that's about it, you know. And I got more money, more funding, and it, it was really cool, but it was not like the life change that I thought it would bring me. Um, and then I had a really hard year uh, in 2015, um, and it made me realize that I was spending a lot of time with people I didn't like to paddle and train like this much hour in circle uh, on a slalom course, um, going through some sport politics drama and and then that I didn't spend time with some of the people that I really loved and that I really cared about. And then I was like, okay, maybe, you know, and I, I just kept doing it for, for years after that, for at least two two years, and I would have probably continued um, uh, if I didn't get kicked out. Because you know that that empty space it left. I think I wasn't brave enough to just stop by myself. Mm -hmm. But I definitely started like questioning things, and the more times I would spend on rivers, the more I would not be fully satisfied with with slalom um and yeah so what i did mean you... oh go ahead the only reason i i went to the stikin my first year is we were in the u.s doing this slalom training camp in uh deep creek maryland so it's like a fake river on top of a mountain <laughs> and i was like okay this is weird and one morning we get the 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 first slot of the day and there was a sign river closed like a shop you know 
and there was like a sign river closed and then they pulled it up and it was like river open <laughs> and I was like I took a photo of it and I was like this is this is bullshit uh, and then the training camp was I was paddling horrible I was not happy and I decided I would just go to BC and paddle the Sikkim and I had no plans I rented the car I didn't even have a group um, I met up with some friends of Adrian uh, Louis and Luke that I didn't know in Terrasse and they let me stay with them and paddle with them and then I drove up and met up with the Quebec Connection boys that I didn't know uh, and we did our first sticky and no one knew the river together. Then one of the main reason is like I needed a crew, they needed a shuttle. <laughs> <laughs> so we teamed up and it turned out that they're some of my favorite people to paddle with and I just like, I just love them. They're, they're some of my best friends. Uh, even if I don't see them a lot. But when you think about it, it was just so sketchy to just meet up for <laughs> with random people. Um, and then it, it's worked out that time, definitely not ideal. I've had some experience that were not as successful. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I mean, you had talked a little bit about like, you know, just the paddling wasn't good and then the friends you were hanging out with weren't good. Um, and then you found this group that seemed to be a little bit more entertaining and, and actually challenging and, you know, that you liked. Were there people along the way that, you know, that stood out as like in, inspiring and motivating for you? Or was it, did it feel like you were kind of alone through that process and you didn't have a lot of people that motivated you or that you looked up to? I, I had so many people that I looked up to, like, like honestly even within the slalom you know like some of the top french athletes being mm. extra nice to me and being like, oh you had your exams well we're doing a training camp these dates you can just join our group and they're like the elite athlete athletes it's like fabian lefebvre who's like i don't know if, how many times world champion is probably the best paddler mm. of all time uh I mean, I don't think anyone has won world championships in both K1 and, and C1, except for him and Jess uh, Fox. Um, and then he's also got silver in C2, like incredible paddler. And is, they're just like super nice and helping me out. And then Vavra has been inviting me to paddle with him and do some session. Like everyone was... There was a lot of people that I look up to in the slalom and there was a lot of good things as well. It's just that I feel like the system was, I wasn't feeling good in it, but it's definitely not the people, like they're great people. And of course it's so competitive that sometimes you have some of the messed up things that come with it. Uh, you know, when you have a sport with only one spot at the Olympics, it's almost impossible to keep it like chill and simple. And, and you know, I'm, I'm the first one that like got super competitive and you just get in your own bubble and you start not training with other people because you don't want to help each other out. 
because at the end it's just gonna be one spot. Um, so there were great things and there were not so great things. I I don't think the people is is the thing, but I I definitely since I grew up and in at all levels, you know, in the clubs and after in the French team, I had so many people that like were inspirations and took me under their wings and went out of their way to just like paddle with a 10 year old kid mm. uh, on the lake or to teach me freestyle or to take me down their first river runs or you know like I would be nowhere near where I am without I I would need to thanks like a hundred of people you know <laughs> yeah like Nico Chasson, Deb Penninger for freestyle for river running Ether Jewel for showing me that you could be a slalom athlete and still paddle 10 years old kids and then mm. that you could slalom and creek at the same time and be nice and you know like I had wonderful role models um and and people that took me under their wings and invited me to paddle with them and set safety for me when I really needed the safety and I still need it now you know Mm -hmm. The same way Ben is is doing that with me right now with expedition kayaking is just like I'm just really grateful to have met so many of the right people. Yeah, you have a lot of amazing people that have like helped you become the person you are today. It sounds like you've tried a lot on from like slalom to expedition kayaking and waterfalls and just all the badass things that you do what is the the main feature the main style of kayaking that really motivates you to get out and discover new places I think that because of slalom I grew up switching up a lot between okay I'm doing the slalom and I have an opportunity to go creaking or an opportunity Mm -hmm. to get in the freestyle boat and I think the creaking and the freestyle boat really helped me make the slalom like always interesting and never boring because I had those breaks within my kayaking. And I feel like now there's not like one type of boating that, you know, I want to do like and leave all the others behind. I would say that my favorite would be expeditions because I, I think there is something special about like leaving everything behind and putting your stuff in your kayak for I don't know how many days and then it's just you and the river and and nothing else is is like interfering you know or things else that could be interfering you know or your thoughts or they're like always the most important things Uh, but you leave all the non-essentials behind whether that's material but also in your mind and everything. And I really love that, but I couldn't do only that because it involves a lot of suffering. And I really like just going on the joy lap and a continuous section of white water or a, a class two run with, with my friends or running a waterfall or running a slide. And I think the beauty of kayaking and what motivates me these days is try to be as good as I can get but uh, 
not just focusing on one style you know like for example coming from france we don't have waterfall mm. and it was so exciting to just like especially since i i totally messed up my first waterfall and broke my nose and looked oh, so no. and i was so ugly that kids in my high school my friends they started calling me scarface oh <laughs> wouldn't recognize me i got so many good grades when when i was all messed up from my first waterfall they were like pity good grades uh so that's that was the good side of it but uh it's really rewarding then when you start learning and it starts working out and and you're like okay i can do this now and i think that that, that challenge is definitely keeping the motivation along with kayaking is is so unique and it's it's such a special thing to have because you got the sport side of thing and then what it brings you in terms of opportunities to travel and see things and discover things and interact with people um it's it's really good i really love it you know there is not that many other activities that force you to go to the very end on one of one road and and ask local people about the river and then i don't know how many times i've been traveling and we get invited into people's house then we end up helping them at the farm or just you know helping them cook and cooking with them and and creating this this friendships along the way that and memories that will last forever you know like Mm. I feel like some of the most beautiful memories of, of some trips and some expeditions are not even the kayaking itself. It's like, oh, I remember when we first drove and then Rosa was there and she gave us Matthew or whatever it was. And, and these are pretty magical. Yeah. When I went on a deep dive in Noria land <laughs> on the internet, I watched a lot of videos and saw your accomplishments and your experience doing the solo uh, expedition in India was really interesting to see like your the rawness and transparency that you had you know on that trip and I would say that was a pretty big boundary or that you pushed you know as not only just a kayaker but as a female what sort of barriers have you encountered like that 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 has helped you overcome or keep you being a leader in the industry? Oh, I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> I'm a leader in an industry. I'm just, um, I just have the luxury to be able to do little round and circle in the water and play with it. Um, like, I think there have, there's obstacles to overcome for sure um, as as a female or as someone that is not coming for it from the US I feel like um, you definitely have to be aware of where you're at what you have what you want to do and it's almost like calculated at times um, it's like, I feel like if you're French and you never traveled to the US because so many in, if you take kayaking and class five, 
this sport is dominated in North America by male white uh, guys. Uh, and then we're diving into the sociology here. If you're not from there, whether you're French girl or if you're a Spanish guy or if you're from Argentina or Chile, I think the way for you to get room there and be known is to travel there and do something that's out there. And for me, I think I had two major opportunities that helped me kind of have a spot in this industry and without it, no one would know about me. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be there today. I would probably have an office job and and carried away on the path that, you know, I would have got kicked out from slalom and got an office job somewhere. And uh, I would have way more money in my bank account. But <laughs> I, uh, and that was the Whitewater Grand Prix that Pat Camblin set up in Chile because all of the international paddlers were broke together. And that's where I first got to paddle with a lot of the people that I looked up to and that I still look up to today. And that, uh, you know, because I knew them, then I would travel to the US and I'll be like staying with Nicole and Katrina because we had all become friends and then Rush would show me down my first ever little white lap and then Benny would help me with you know like how to catch this big wave in Canada and I feel like this was really like breaking one of the barrier that I now had all these people that I could ask for help and that Mm. I knew and that I could go paddle with and then you know, you, you win the Grand Prix, people people know your name, even if you're from the middle of nowhere in, in the tiniest small village, mm-hmm. uh, which wouldn't be your case otherwise. And I feel like for paddlers from New Zealand or, or different places, it, it definitely changed a little bit of the game. And there are international paddlers that do well on the scene but if you think about it, they've all traveled and compete or done like 30 cents of major feats in the US. And before that, some of them were not, you know, you don't hear about them and they're like incredibly talented paddlers everywhere. So many underdogs, underrated paddlers that are so much better than any of the pros really, <laughs> which is, really cool like that's something that i really like in kayaking that this is still a thing um and then the second big event i would say is the grand canyon of the stikin uh and it was really weird because i just did it you know i was like oh i heard about this river looks amazing i will just go mm-hmm. and one of my really good friends from france is Jules Domin. And at the time he had done it more than anyone else. And so, you know, you hear from Jules' story and you're like, why I really want to do that. So I just went 
And then because the world championships were in the US, it, it got crazy because people knew I had run the Stikin and I had battle sites at, and then Southern Brandon did a little small movie about it. And it was kind of like a mini buzz. Um, and then it would be crazy because people would stop at a solemn world championship, like, oh, congrats, side Z, that's sick. And then my slalom coach were not fully aware of what I'd been doing. And and then after the five person saying that, they're like starting to be like, what is side Z? Mm. Um, and they looked into it and then they're like, you're crazy, blah, blah, blah. Uh, not my coach, the other coaches, because my coach, he was really awesome. He's a really good friend. And uh, it didn't take him long to understand that I needed that balance between going to the river and not just slalom paddling. So mm. that was really cool. Yeah, two pretty big events. I see you repping some Red Bull right now. <laughs> I'm curious. Uh, yeah. I'm curious who your brand, what brands do you work with right now? Uh, I work with those guys. <laughs> uh, and it's good they give me free hoodies and nice. free hats <laughs> and money. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Money's nice. Yeah. Money is what, like, <laughs> plane tickets and everything. And that's who I work with for uh, most of the video project I do, mm -hmm. like the nice ones. Yeah. I make really bad youtube videos <laughs> but um the the good ones i work with red bull and you know we, we were talking earlier about the people you look up to and the mentors i had mm -hmm. and davidano used to be one of the best uh if not the best freestyle paddler for friends and so when he was at the top of his game i met him in freestyle contest and then he invited me to come paddle with him in lyon and helped me out a lot in my kayaking. And now is 100% into like filmmaking. Mm. And it's really cool to be working together uh, because I, I feel like I, I really like his vision and, and we're focusing on telling the story rather than having 4K, 8K, right. uh, big, big slow-mo footage. Uh, and I really like that side of like, storytelling and that obsession from for a, a direct cinema mm -hmm. and and to try to like stick to real and be as rose as we can uh so that that's really fun that has been like a lot of the projects that i'm working on and and then um mostly kayaking companies so astral waka Sweet protection, immersion research. Uh, Werner, they helped me out with, with a bit of paddle. Um, and then uh, I, I get help from uh, Packraft Europe because I uh, recently got into packrafting or we did one really big expedition and they lend us the boat. And I'm kind of excited to, to go packrafting. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I, know, I know it sounds weird and um, when I when I first told a few people, I'm like, yeah, I'm going on this pack rafting trip, and they're like, <laughs> you ain't pack rafting, like, no way, you're the first one to fall, and I was just like, I don't care. It looks so cool in terms of like access and, and what you can do, and I'm just so excited <laughs> to just try to 
find out some more like the combo we did was really nice we skied across a glacier with some kids sleds because we're super disorganized so we didn't have proper buka but it worked out <laughs> and then we had all our gear on it and the pack rafts and the paddle and then we just paddled out That's uh, awesome. with the pack raft and it was, it was it was pretty exciting it was I was really happy to do that and I think there's so much potential to do cool things with, with this boat so that's something I'm also excited about even if yeah some people said no and when no one no one's <laughs> wants to see Noria and Yuma in a pack truck like I don't care Noria um, wants to see Noria in a pack <laughs> well I want to see the other things with the pack raft that's gonna take me to those cool places yes <laughs> so uh, so yeah those guys have been helping too Cool. Uh, and maybe I'm forgetting someone, but. Well, if, if you think of someone, then yeah, just send me a, send me an email. But well, Astral, that's cool. We're we're teammates. Welcome yeah, to the team. <laughs> Astrals are been so great because, yeah, it's, it's really cool. I I get I meet the team and then on, on a computer meeting and we're gonna do that every month and. I, I feel I'm excited to work with those guys. They're just so nice. Yeah, that's new, right? You just came that's, on board. Um, yeah, I just before I was on board, but I only had contact with Philip and and before it was Julie and and now it's like Kat Kat Kathleen. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Caitlin. Yeah. In there English. You go. <laughs> Kathleen, <laughs> oh, okay. But um, and and Christy. But I didn't know any of the other people. And it's really cool to be like, oh, your shoes are opening up. I just tried them again. Why is that? <laughs> right. Like real-time feedback and, and real being able to work with them. Real-time feedback and mm -hmm. kind of just updates and things like this. So yeah, I'm excited. But I feel <laughs> like I'm way cooler now because my R is like pretty sober colors and I don't have the reflective reflective bands on my gear. Mm. Uh, so I feel way cooler <laughs> what's what's important to you like when you say yes to a brand like when working with a brand are there anything that you um, look for well I don't have that many opportunities that I can <laughs> right uh, but if I could be picky uh and I feel like sometimes I I'd like to think that I, I could be, uh, I like working with good people. Mm. I like working with someone that I'm like, Hey, what's up? What have you been up to? And talk about other things. And then, and then, uh, work with the brand. And sometimes that's, you know, you can be with a brand and that's weird, but, uh, your team manager or whoever in that brand is, is like, I trust them. And it, it makes it that I want to work with them and and it makes it really easy. And so I feel like good people are great. Uh, and I feel like, let's say I get hurt and I'm out for six months. Like, of course you have contracts in all most contracts, you have a um, thing that if you get hurt, they get, they can kick you out. And, oh, and you don't get hmm. it. Um, but I feel like when you have a good relationship with people, rather than doing that, they're helping you out and they're going to support you and they're going to try to, you know, be there 
uh, and and good brands they would do that. Um, and so I I feel like every time I'm looking for a good relationship uh, with the people, and then the times I had a switch from companies, it's because they forgot I even existed. Mm. And that happened once. Really? Oh shit! <laughs> I wasn't American, and they're like, "Congratulations to this, this, and that person from the team." And I'm like, "But I won the event, and they forgot about me." Oh no, that's the worst. All right. <gasps> well, oh. they didn't care too much, you know. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, and then I quit because I didn't like the gear. Mm. Uh, and. And there is a point, you know, you you can love the people you work with. If if you hate the gear, then it's not gonna work. Because if you need, I mean, if, if kayaking is your job, you're gonna need the boat you like and the paddle you like and the dry suit you like, and you can have the nicest people if it's all leaking and not working, uh, if the boat is, five kilos heavier than this other competitor or if the design is not something that suits your paddling style at some point you're gonna have to be like choosing what are your priorities and Mm. I feel like um the progression of of your kayaking and it will always be above any sort of like brand relationship um you know and i also don't like when companies they're just like give you free gear or discounts and they like come up there and there is some in the kayaking industry that i i try not to work with them or if i do i just make things clear that i'm not signing any contract for a discount or or free gear but mm-hmm. it's like we'll give you this and in exchange you have to give us like 10 high quality photo view blah 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 and usually I answer okay uh you can have quality high quality photos but this is the rate of my photographer friend this Mm. is the price of your gear like I'm not doing this so Mm. it's either you okay with me paddling with your gear or doing things with your gear and I do what I do because you know, I will do the, the social media and things like this, but um, when it's not a fair deal, you know, I usually don't like working with these brands. Yeah, and I feel um, like it, when we'll you're younger, you free bars, right? And, <laughs> and they worth like a thousand bucks, and you're like, first, no one wants a thousand bucks worth of snack, right. like. It's, you you'll get tired of eating the same thing and then you tell your mother for a free energy bar or <laughs> like random things you know like a free sunscreen or free bikini like i don't know what sort of stuff you get but yeah um, it's crazy at times yeah i feel like i know this qu- i this answer but i want to ask you if you had to throw in the towel tomorrow and give up kayaking like it was just said and done what craft would you switch to first question would you stay on the river second question if not what what craft would you switch to 
I would stay on the river. I would I would take the pack raft. I knew it. Yeah, I was like, oh, I bet For she's sure, gonna be a pack rafter. It, it's also weird because that's the closest uh thing to a kayak. Yeah. So it's almost like cheating. I don't think so because then you said um it allows you to actually to enjoy the the parts that you can't as a kayaker like hike up and over something or you can. right it's yeah. just so much you can more start painful to be on land yeah right <laughs> <laughs> like realistically everything you do with packraft you could <laughs> potentially do with a kayak and that's why Chris Corbillick and Ben Stokesbury are so savage mm -hmm. because they're like they will not give up they will carry a kayak up and down the hill That's and incredible. back up another mountain. And <laughs> I, you know, maybe I'm just too weak. And, but packrafts are so comfortable. I'm gonna get Ben in one one day, <laughs> and he's gonna be like, "Why didn't I try sooner?" Yeah, is this Ben Marr or which Ben are you talking about? Ben, ben Stooksbury. Oh, Stooksbury. Okay. But good luck. Ah, oh, maybe Benny too. I don't know. I would be fun to put Benny Mar in a kayak. But I think Benny right? is sucking a bunch. Rush has yeah. been sucking a bunch. A yeah, they I crush like, it. <laughs> I feel like um it's just kind of fun. I I would I would raft if I was any good at it, but you know, last time I went I almost killed all the kids in my oh, raft. <laughs> Okay. But also they're like little kayak club kids and like, let's get pinned. And I'm like, no. And they're all paddling backward and like doing everything they can to get pinned because they thought it was super funny. Then we got pinned. It's not fun at all. No. Like, I need skills to guide a raft and I don't have those skills. And I'm always like at least 10 seconds too late to get like the proper line and then it's so impressive like what people do with the rows I'm like we don't have rows in Europe we just have like tourist rafting right tourist rafting is like plus free at most or free plus but in a raft it doesn't matter you know you're and then the customers they paddle and you're just like you, you know stare. And yeah it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's there and it's and it's easy and then you get to those crazy places like cherry creek and futa lufu high water and they have the horse and the cataract and the rafts and the customers and you're like yeah i would not want to go down <laughs> this with a bunch of like people that i'm responsible for on a raft so that's the only reason I would not pick a raft. But if, if someone's responsible, I'd, I'd hang out on the raft. Yeah. Well, if you want to learn, you could come on the Grand with me. <laughs> Take 16 days to learn how to row. <laughs> yeah. Hell but yeah. But the problem is I'd have to be with you and your customers. Right, right, right. And, you know, like, <laughs> if I was going to go with you and your friends, it'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I would love to. Yeah. You got good people. There's some, but yeah. There's I have a friend that she's a raft guide and she told me the story that one time she had the creationist people yes. uh, on the trip to the Grand Canyon and she's trying to explain them like geology <laughs> and all this cool stuff. And they're like, no, it's not true. The earth was created in seven days. 
you're lying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't think I could handle this. I would be like, uh, really? <laughs> but yeah. That happened I, to me as well. Yeah. What did you mm-hmm. tell them? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. You just, uh, on the river, there's some rules you don't talk about. You don't talk about politics. You don't but talk about religion. Common sense. Well, religion, and then uh, what was the third thing? Maybe you know, That's obviously, all like we sex talk about or something, with them. <laughs> right? Uh, not but, sex. So... <laughs> uh, just the other stuff. Yeah, but I I remember just being like, oh, and so instead of trying to debate them, I just asked them questions, like, well, what? So what? So then, how would have that formed? And what? So how? I would just ask them. So what do you think here? And oh, here's a fossil. Like, what do you guys know about fossils? And I learned all sorts of crazy shit. It was crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, it was fun. You should have recorded that. I should have. That was a long time ago. <laughs> Maybe if you go on your next Grand Canyon trip, you could make an immersive podcast. There you go. I am. I'm going to bring my field equipment. I'm really excited to just push record around the campfire and see. I, what happens? My first trip is going to be all talented um, musicians and so all the guides. And so that's going to be, I'm going to get some good music for the podcast so yeah well I'm definitely um past the time that I said I would I just have like a couple more questions for you just as you think about you know you're 29 and moving into your 30s what's on the horizon line for you for the next I know you said you can barely think about next month but what are some goals for the next couple years what's on your horizon line both personally Uh, and professionally well personally I just wanted to be happy yeah. So as long as this thing is keeping me happy, um, I'm just gonna keep doing it, pretty much the same or differently, but the same. Um, and then I think that the next big steps for me, uh, is to actually get better in the mountains, and mountaineering because I like it. And I've put it aside to just kayak and now I'm just happy to get back into skiing and do something different. And mm. and then also it's been really helpful for a kayaking expedition to just like have this better overall skills and then rope work's getting better and then climbing's getting better and then portaging is not as scary. Um, and so I, I feel like cross-discipline I, I don't want to say training because it's cross-discipline like practices. Uh, it's definitely something that I want to do more. Um, sick pack raft combos <laughs> <laughs> really fit into that. Um, and then in, in the long term, maybe try to do a, a, a link up some mountaineering with a paddling expedition somehow. Uh, that's something that I would really like to do. But I'm training with with very, very badass mountaineer. Uh, mm. And I think I probably need a solid more five years before I, I can be less sketchy. Uh, and they would be the ones in charge. It was yeah. just, it's, it's really cool. Uh, so that's something I would really like to do. Uh, and then spend quality time outside and doing things I love is is really uh, one of the main long-term goal uh, somehow one way or another 
Mm-hmm. Um, the more time outside, the better. Agreed. Yeah, for all of us. And I think COVID has helped people realize that, right? That's why if you're looking for gear, it's hard to find anything because everyone wants to play outside and they realize what's important, which is great. Anything you want to share with the audience? Anything you're most excited about with 2021 before we have our final question? Uh, I'm always excited about 2021. No, it's it's pretty hard to project yourself in, into this year because I have plans, but uh, right now we're in between lockdowns and mm-hmm. Italy is going full lockdown. We're fine where we are in the mountains, but Paris is bad. Uh, so it's hard to know what we're gonna do in the next months. Uh, but at the same time, it, it's been an opportunity to just play more in our immediate backyard as well. And so now we know that that's here. Not that we ever forgotten, but I felt like we know how awesome it is. Um, and so we definitely like have that. Um, and then, yeah, just to look around and see what's there. Sometimes um, is a, is a good thing rather than like looking away and be like, oh, I wish I did this or I wish I did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause you don't really have the choice anyway. And for me last year, it worked out so well. Like I found a really amazing section of white water, like literally like two kilometers from my house. Uh, the put-in and this really really hard rapid there's like less than a kilometer from my house um and you're like okay this is the hardest paddling I've ever done and and it's right here not that I ever really want to do it again because it's (laughs) it's a little too much like it's not something that oh yeah just go again the section's good the hard rapid is like too much but it's cool to have done it and it was at home uh, so make the most of what's there rather than looking for what's not there that you can't necessarily get right now hmm. but make, make the most you still of what's need there. but you still need the dreams yeah so the dreams are really important hmm. so a good balance between both but don't be miserable because you cannot do what you want it to do you need to figure out other stuff agreed Um, and then when things go into full lockdown that just sucks Mm -hmm. and people that are in full full lockdown right now you just need to hold on uh last year was enough the the Mm -hmm. two ones we had they were enough so but i don't know i don't have anything special well, that sounds, I mean, it sounds like you've got, you're working with that, the videographer, your friend. Oh, yeah. Potentially no, actually, some, uh, what's the day today? Uh, March 20. Well, for you, it's going to be the 22nd, right? Uh, it's Sunday. No, no, it's still Sunday. Uh, so next Wednesday, we're uh, releasing uh, the French version of uh, the Iceland project we shoot in October. Oh. So, uh, so we have that. And I think the international version will follow somehow, but I never know because they are doing some sort of like communication strategy that 
I don't understand. <laughs> they released the summer project in the winter, so. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. Well, this will launch on Thursday, so I'll make sure that I find that link on Wednesday and put it in the show notes yeah, for people. That'd be cool. Awesome. Uh, well, where, where can people find you? Where would you like to be seen and followed and people commenting and following your adventures? Uh, I have all of the, all of the things. I have the Instagram. I have the YouTube siphon, you know, <laughs> the, the, the Facebook, uh, they tried to get me on TikTok, but I, I don't understand. Yeah, I haven't gone on it either. I'm just too old. <laughs> it's okay. It's like for slalom. Too old and too slow for TikTok. <laughs> um, yeah, that's about it. It's more than plenty. Yeah, that is. That is. Well, I'll make sure those are in the show notes too. Um, last question, Noria. What's the biggest lesson you've learned from the river that's made you into the person um, you are today? I mean, you're never good enough. You're never better than anyone else. Uh, and you know that because the river, when you think you're like really good and really cool, you know, sometimes like, oh, I've got this. You have like this overconfidence and, and you lack of respect for the river, but in some way you lack of respect for everything, for the earth, for everything around you. And usually you get a good beat down and you're like, oh, all right, yeah, I'm just a, just a little insignificant human. And uh, that's okay with it. And because we're all little insignificant little humans, it just makes us just pretty much nothing and no one's better than another person. So that, that's a good thing to be reminded when you're like, oh yeah, I've got this. Mom, gnarly swim. <laughs> right back uh, where you came from. Yep, yep. <laughs> and, uh, I, I like it. Sometimes, you know, you see cocky kids and they come up and they come across and you're like, oh, you're going to get beat down. Um, and it's nice when it's a friendly beat down and it's just like, oh, but no, I think rivers are so many lessons and, you know, just feeling super lucky to be able to follow them downstream. Mm -hmm. uh, and I really hope that we're not going to dam all of the rivers. Um, which is kind of just a reflection of our societies. We're just like kind of sometimes tend to just kill everything and mess everything up around us. So there is a point where hopefully we'll have to stop that um, or find a way to stop it because a river that's not flowing or a society that just doesn't work is it's not something that you can live with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why we're trying to go to another planet, right? We've destroyed this one and got to. Oh yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> but I agree. I agree. Like you know, things get stagnant, and that's where you know cancer or or disease right happens is when there when things aren't moving. The river is one that you just have to accept that the lesson it gives you and learn from it and meditate with it and then come back more humble and honest. And I, I see that in you. I see your, you're just so genuine and you're so, um, your mom said it, like you're really honest, but like with honesty comes trust. And I, I see that like, you not only trust, um, 
you know, the water and, and, and those around you, but they trust you as well. It was really awesome talking with you and getting to know you. And I'm stoked that we're going to be teammates um, with Astral and I hope to paddle with you. I hope to, to, yeah, maybe I yeah, can charge a river down. To, to stop. <laughs> yeah, we would uh, love I, that. Come to GoPro. Uh, <laughs> I was like, hey, I will suck on the sub. <laughs> I went something with Nicole once at GoPro Games. Oh, you did? Okay. We, Nadia was not there. Mm-hmm. And Nadia was, you know, like the one that got us the sub. And, you know, I, I think she, she couldn't come or for some reason and we're at the pudding and we don't even know how to blow the things oh no so we have to ask, like some professional supper to help us out and then we were so bad i i was pretty bad i was sitting on it for some parts because my legs were tired and yeah but it was it was so much fun so yeah yeah <laughs> i'll do something I'll, I'll try to stand on my two legs there we go. I love that. <laughs> well, is there any any last words of Noria before we come to an end? Uh, no, just stay lucky. Be safe. Have fun on the river. Uh, outside of the river, too. Because mm-hmm. that's just the most important thing in the end. Just be happy. Be happy. Words and of Noria. Sometimes it's hard and you can't be happy and just like try your best. Mm-hmm. find mm-hmm. the balance yeah. yeah well thanks again for coming on the show i really appreciate you just sharing your your honest words and your experiences and how you know and your transitions and where you're headed and i i'm cheers to to new collaborations and and clean runs downstream yeah all <laughs> i know of things change by by my 30th birthday I would love that. All right. <laughs> All right. Cool. We'll take, take care. care. Yeah. It's dinner time here. Bye. It's going right. to be delicious. Mom's in town. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that's our show. Thank you so much for joining me in this conversation with Noria Newman. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, make sure and share this link with someone you think would benefit from it too. And while you're on social, make sure and tag at Eddie Out Podcast and at Noria Newman so we can follow along with you. And a quick reminder to subscribe to Eddie Out on social as well as giving us that five-star rating and review. Also, this is a big one for us. We are officially set up on Patreon and you can donate directly to the podcast over at patreon.com forward slash Eddie Out Podcast. I'm very grateful for you taking the time to listen in with me today. Until next time, big hits, big fun, good health, and high water. Cheers.